0: Welcome everyone to episode 53 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a production by Workforce LLC. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Megan Kim, Executive Director of Cozy and Senior Vice President of Membership Development and Marketing at the Greater Cleveland Partnership. Megan, it's a great day to be a Bobcat. I'm excited that we get to start there. How are you? Welcome to the show.
1: I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. And I knew that I liked you already when I saw that you went to OU. So perfect bond from the beginning here.
0: I know. I love it. OU, oh yeah. I like to call it Ohio, the state university, just to try and get under the skin of the Buckeyes here in <laughs> Columbus over Ohio. But Definitely in Columbus. So let's let's start with Athens. Three episodes ago, we had Art O-Strike on, and he's the founder of Jackie O's, and a great episode, learned a ton. But my question for you is, what were your go-to spots while you were in Athens?
1: I just actually watched the podcast with Art. I had no idea about the Bagel Street thing, um, which was one of my Me favorite either. spots back in the day. And actually... Jackie O's wasn't even there when I was at OU. It was Skippers, um, which was also a great space. So it was uh, it was wonderful to hear his story as well. But yeah, I was thinking about this, this uh, my favorite places at OU as I was thinking about meeting you. And I always just go to the drinks at every place, right? I went to a wedding once and it was like, they had the entire list of the brain stompers, the black widows, the hot nuts, the aquarium. So I always loved that about OU, that every bar had their own uh, sort of identity. So we had a great time. I was a, I was a CI and
0: uh, and Crystal Gal. Yes, big CI fan. Uh, Crystal was my spot freshman year because they let us in. <laughs>
1: That's right, exactly. <laughs> yes, it was a great time.
0: Yeah, I love it. Let's jump into you. You know, in doing research for the episode, you've you've had quite a unique career journey. Besides, basically the start of your career with a brief stint at the University Health Hospital System. You know, you've kind of worked for two brands within one organization for nearly 18 years, which is not the norm, and so we I want to talk about that a little bit, but let's start with take us through your journey from coordinator to senior leadership within the same organization.
1: Yeah, sure. So let me, I'll take you back to to OU for a minute there because I think it's relevant. So when I went to school at OU, I had originally gone for broadcast journalism. I wanted to be on the news. My dad always told me I'd be a good weather person because I I really liked a lot of information and data, but I also loved journalism. And so I actually was in the Scripps School of Journalism, went my freshman, sophomore year through that. And a little before my junior year, you know, you always tried to get involved in a lot of your classes and in clubs and I remember I went to a, a session and there was a, a few newscasters there who said, you know, you're not going to get your dream job until you're 35. And I'm like, 35? That is so <laughs> incredibly old. But when you're, when you're like 19, that feels like eternity that you're not going to get yes. your dream job. And they said, you're going to have to go to like Podong, Texas. And then finally you'll get your dream job at 35. And so I was doing a little radio then too. And I wasn't sure that I was actually into it. So I switched my degree at the time to public relations, which still allowed me to stay in the in the journalism school with minors in, um, in sociology and marketing. And, and what I found when I started doing PR is I had this love for, certainly for writing and telling stories um, but also there was sort of an events element to PR that was interesting. And what I also loved about PR was just sort of the the impact you could have from a public relations perspective and telling the stories about businesses and making sure people understood things that were happening in a business or in a region or in an area. And so I took a lot of that as this looking sort, sort of for my first career. And as you said, I started out at university hospitals. I was doing developments and fundraising there and doing some event planning. And then from where I came to GCP and the important tie there is I've always been a person that I really want to see the impact of my work, right? I mean, I could certainly be successful selling widgets. I could do it, right? I can do anything I sort of put my mind to, but I want to go home and see that I'm doing this job all day because it's impacting another person's life or it's impacting a business or it's impacting a region or there's something that I can see matters um, as a result of the work that I'm doing. So that certainly was relevant at at university hospitals, Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital with Kids. But this job at GCP and Cozy allowed me to do that in a lot of different ways. And so that impact piece is really important. And as you noted, I, I sort of started out as an event coordinator. I was just doing events here, but I cannot stay focused on one thing. I'm a little ADD.
0: That' why you and Taylor love each other.
1: Exactly. Yes. We are like partners in crime. Yes. And I also love Taylor because he's the person that will just toss the bomb into the center of the room. And I love people like that. I'm like, let's just throw it in the middle of the room and get it out there. So we do have that bond. But yeah, so I can't focus. So I came here and I said, I want to try this and I want to try that. And let me dive into that. And nobody ever said no. Um, They always said, sure, we'll let you try it and see how you do. And I just kept taking on new things. And, um, you know, I, I'm a person who can put a lot on my plate. And I, and I love that actually, I thrive on the challenge of kind of pivoting from here to there. And so that kind of grew into the role that I have at GCP today. And it's been absolutely the most um, enriching um, experience. And I'm super grateful that I have this opportunity to do this work at GCP.
0: How do you, I mean, you mentioned that you like multitasking and focusing on different projects and there are some like tactical and strategic like items or strategies that you can use for balancing that. But I'm curious to get your thoughts and feedback around how do you balance? Because when I originally did the research, I thought you were basically the president, vice president of two different organizations. So like, how do you manage those two things?
1: Well, one, I work with really, really smart people. I have an absolutely amazing team, and I uh, couldn't be more grateful for them because, like me, they are people that genuinely believe in the work that we're doing, and they genuinely believe in making Greater Cleveland a great region on a great lake, as we always say. So everybody here wants to be here, and they put in 110%. But it is, to your point, I, I sort of have to balance two different sides. So my, my one role is really focused on small businesses. So something as as small as talking with a business and identifying how I could find capital for them to invest in their company to the, get to the next level or where they can go to create a business plan or even people come to us and say who should I use for payroll or what credit merchant services programs are available. So we try to help with really anything and everything that helps a small business be successful and You know, a big part of that is also partnerships in the ecosystem, making sure we're well connected. I always say at Cozy, I want us to be the one call that a small business needs to make. And we will either be the solution or we'll be the means to the solution. Small business owners wear so many hats. So it's really important for us to have the ability to be that one phone call and make sure they get whatever they need so they can go back to working on their business and continue to grow. Right. That's a major focus for us. And then the other side of of my world is at the Greater Cleveland Partnership, which, again, Cozy is a part of Greater Cleveland Partnership. It's just a small business arm. So I oversee our, our, our small business membership, our marketing and communications events, and sponsorship areas, which is really, from a GCP perspective, just part of GCP's organization as well, because the other side is really focused on economic development. So we certainly intersect and support a lot of that activity as well. But... It's hard to answer how I do it. I just, this is how I thrive. I love the ability to hop from one thing to the other. And as you would imagine, I am that person from Cleveland that anytime somebody in my family or somebody who lives out of town says, uh, oh, there's not much happening in Cleveland, I give them like an hour dissertation on, let me tell you about all the amazing things that are happening, but because people aren't as connected to it on a day-to-day basis, they just don't know. So it's great to be an ambassador for all the things happening in, in this region. I love
0: it. So there have been pretty significant changes in the Cleveland landscape, including a new mayor, a new county executive, and a new CEO at GCP. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, what do you think this all means for the near future as it relates to Cleveland?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we have had amazing leadership over time, and certainly like any region, we we continue to evolve and grow. And I, I think of these new leaders, and I think they really stand on the shoulders of the folks before them, for sure. But I think what Changed a lot with this new leadership is because everybody was sort of new in the role. Um, There was a fresh perspective on how we work together from an economic development perspective. We always talk about GCP's all in plan. And the best part about the all in plan is that we develop that in collaboration with partners. And we're focused on three things, right? Business growth, jobs growth, and income growth. We want to compete with cities like ours, like Indianapolis, Detroit, Columbus, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, all of those cities that are really our peer cities. And the way to do that is you can't have one organization doing that on their own or being duplicative. So what we've sort of done over the last few years as a lot of these leaders have stepped in places, we've worked together on a strategy for the region which hasn't happened in a really long time. And the best part about that is nobody cares who takes credit. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that happened as a result of maybe this evolution is sometimes as GCP, I'll just speak on our behalf, Sometimes we will lead, sometimes we'll collaborate, and sometimes we'll partner, and sometimes we'll support, and sometimes we'll just stand on the sidelines and we'll clap because somebody else has that handled and that's awesome. And it's much more about playing to different organizations' strengths and figuring out who can really carry the ball and what roles everyone else can play in support of that.
0: I appreciate that. That's super helpful. My overarching question is, you know, what makes Cleveland a good place to do business? But I think like a secondary part to that would be we hear all the time for individuals, right? Like triple down on your strengths. Like, yes, you want to or even like sports, right? Like, you know, I'm using basketball as an example. Yeah. If you're a really good shooter, but maybe you're not good defensively, you want to get better defensively. Of course, you always want to work on your weaknesses and be cognizant of them, but let's like triple down on what you do best. So all of that to be said, first question, what makes Cleveland a good place to do business? And then the secondary question is like, A city is a city, you can improve it, but every city has pros and every city has cons. Like what is Cleveland doing to like triple down on their pros?
1: First, from just an industry business perspective, right, we're accessible. We are about 500 miles from 50% of the U.S. population. And we're also within a day's drive of about 60% of all U.S. Fortune 500 headquarters. So there is accessibility. It is easy to be connected to people and to businesses. Northeast Ohio is also home to about 40% of Ohio's Fortune 100 companies and we have about 200 global companies with major headquarters right here in our region. So there is a lot of there's a lot of numbers, but I think that's important basis. I don't think people think about just how, how accessible our region is and how many businesses there are here. And they do your point about playing sort of to our to our strengths, right? You can't ignore healthcare. Our healthcare institutions, our research institutions, clinic UH case, they are well known not only just across the country but but globally. So these are we are leaders and as you know, we have a really solid manufacturing base. And those are two areas that we really want to capitalize on. But I also have been involved with in GCP long enough over the last few years and some of our partners to know that innovation is a word that is used on a regular, regular basis here. We are embracing innovation, not only innovation in our industries that are our strengths, like healthcare and manufacturing and, and also looking at our educational institutions, but also You know, we need to become a tech town. We need to have a tech strategy for this uh, region to grow, to draw talent here, to draw businesses here. So that is a a focus area for us. And then just also, I talk about capitalizing on our, our strengths too. You can't ignore the fact that this is a great place to live. I love talking to people who are either boomerangs or they are new to Cleveland. They speak so differently about this region than people who grew up here because they've seen a lot of other places and they have an appreciation for things that I think sometimes we people who grew up in Cleveland, we take for granted. The cost of living, right? I mean, you could buy a beautiful home here and raise your family here and it's not going to bankrupt you. Actually, a lot of people, if you heard during the pandemic, a lot of people moved to places like Cleveland, but they were working in places like California, New York, because the cost of living was much better but they can still kind of make those kind of wages that they're making in other places. Now with all this remote work, all of our amazing arts and culture institutions, we have the rock hall, we have the Cleveland orchestra, we have playhouse square, we have Cleveland museum of art. And those aren't just institutions that, you know, that are competing statewide or nationally. These are like global entities that have put Cleveland on the map. um, and, And I think that's really important. And also just things like our Metro parks and a lot of our outdoor activities. I mean, we have three major sports teams. I mean, there is so many wonderful things about this being a place to live. And, you know, the GCP strategy that we always talk about is we kind of have these five major pillars. One is is dynamic businesses. We want dynamic businesses here. You can't have dynamic businesses without abundant talent. So we need to make sure we're drawing talent here. We have people who want to stay here, but those people want to stay here because we have an appealing community. And we have a place where people want to live, work, and play, and that's beneficial to them. And somewhere where they want to raise their families where young people feel like there's things for them to do. And then attached to that is also diversity and inclusion. I mean, we are a region that has embraced diversity, equity, and inclusion in a really significant way, both in our investment in minority businesses and getting minorities and people of color into mid and high wage positions, but also just investing in our neighborhoods and making sure that our neighborhoods are growing, and that we're involving everybody as we look at kind of the whole strategy of how we're growing as Greater Cleveland and making sure everybody um, feels involved in that and that we're representative of the people that we serve.
0: So let's go the other way, right? So that's a long list of pros, right? And so let's talk about one or two things that you know, if you could magic wand, snap your fingers, you know, fix, whether it's about the business community yeah. or, you know, whatever it is, what uh, what would you try and fix in Cleveland?
1: So I'm going to relate it a little bit to what I, I just talked about, about the people who live here. We have not done a good job creating our own narrative. You see all these articles, uh, you know, about Cleveland being the poorest city and there's this this wage gap and all these kind of negative stories from a national perspective about Cleveland. And we have not done a good job positioning ourselves. There is a sense of pride here in the people, but but we don't cheer ourselves on enough, which it relates to something that GCP is actually embarking on is we are trying to launch a business confidence campaign, which plays along really with, you know, Destination Cleveland is one of our, our biggest collaborators. And they did a campaign a few years ago to understand if people here would tell somebody in the region to come visit because usually when you're going to visit a city right you will call someone who lives there and say should I really come is there anything to do and several several years ago about 30% of people who lived here said i wouldn't tell anybody to come here it's not really an exciting city there's not much to do so destination cleveland embarked on this campaign before they even focused on hey we got to get visitors to feel good about cleveland they said we have to make people here celebrate their city and have a sense of pride so they started a campaign which was really really successful flipped the script they had a big social media campaign people started talking about all the things that they loved about the city and that really boosted the morale of people to live here and then draw visitors here we're trying to do a similar thing from a business perspective as we try to draw businesses here which is a big part of gcp's work with many of our partners like team neo and destination cleveland also working with us on drawing talent here we have to start telling the stories about the cool things that are happening here because we need to help people understand that there are businesses growing there's new businesses launching there's great things happening we're expanding our metro parks we're creating a waterfront plan but if we don't talk about that stuff nobody's just going to come and try to find a really good story to tell about cleveland right so i think that's something i that we are working to fix
0: yeah, and it kind of goes back to your fir- one of your first points about like, the importance of public relations, right? Whether it's a business, an individual, or a city, I'm kind of shocked by that 30% number because if I'm just looking at it from a sports lens, I can't, maybe New York and Boston, but you can make an argument that the most prideful city and fandom is Cleveland. And if they're not third, they're second. If they're not second, they're first. They're right there, and so it's kind of shocking because I would never hear that on the sports side of things, right? right that's like, so true. Maybe I equated that to just being proud of your city because. Don't they go hand in hand? Like you're proud of your sports teams. You're proud of your city. I'm shocked that that's that high.
1: Yeah. Well, and now we've made a big shift. So that's positive. But I think people also complain about the weather. I mean, it's like, actually, I love the seasons. I think it's fantastic that we have four seasons and that it's not always the same exact sunny and 75 all the time. I think there's there's different things that you do in different, uh, different weather as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rust Belt Rundown. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Rust Belt Rundown. Okay, so let's talk about Cozy. When you actually Google it, I got a couple of different stats, which is why I didn't include it in the question. But basically what I was Googling is what percentage of businesses are considered small business? One stat said 99.9. And I was like, that just can't be true. But you're shaking your head it is. And then I saw another stat that it was closer to like 79. And I was like, that makes sense. But either way, my question is, look, small businesses run this country. And they probably forever will be the backbone right and so I want to ask, how important is the work that you guys provide to small business and entrepreneurs? Yeah,
1: no, the work of Cozy is so important. And and what I love about Cozy is we just celebrated 50 years last year, founded in 1972. And Cozy was actually founded by a bunch of small business owners who couldn't get work done on their own. There was a trucker strike and all the big companies were still having the ability to take up some of the shipping capacity and the small businesses were failing. And nobody would listen to them because it was just, you know, this one small business with 10 employees who cares about it, right? And so a bunch of them got together. They were actually called the Industrial Action Committee is what they named themselves originally. And they got together and they stormed on City Hall and said, you guys need to make this happen and and we together are going to be stronger. We're going to have this this bigger voice. And that has been primary to Cozy's mission and who Cozy is um, since 1972 It is really a community of small business owners who come together, and that allows us to not only from a group purchasing perspective get sort of access and discounts that larger companies could get, that smaller companies couldn't get, but also from an advocacy perspective, we have been able to move on advocacy issues that are important to small business because We give them a voice and when they come together, that voice is really big and significant and people want to listen. Um, And so helping small businesses here is is huge and and that 99.9 is exactly right and the number of employees that are employed by small business owners is like over 90%. It's fantastic. And so without small businesses, you know, you always say small business is the lifeblood of our economy and they really are. I am so beyond inspired by entrepreneurs and I'm so lucky to get to hang out with them all the time because- these are people that, you know, woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to figure it out. And they're, they're risk takers and they push the envelope and they're truly living their dreams. And I, I was actually talking to a, a few small business owners yesterday and I said, you guys have to wake up and, and, and you have to figure out if you can't make that person's paycheck, that's on you. I mean, so many of us go to work and it's like, all right, I have my paycheck, I'm going to go home. And these people really are, are living this business and taking care of their employees. And so they're important. And so to your point about cozy I'm so lucky to have an amazing board. So you mentioned Taylor Evans. Uh, Taylor Evans is one of our board members. We have about um, 22 other board members, and we're adding another 10. I mean, there are people that want to step up and be a part of this board because it's not there to get business for them, right? They're doing it because they want to be around their people. They always say these are their people. Cozy is a community of small business owners who are – it's creating the opportunity to be with people who get you, who when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have that – oh crap moment, uh, somebody else is having that same moment. And so we create a lot of that connectivity. And we have a lot of ecosystem partners who are so focused on making sure these businesses are successful.
0: So I think I may know one word, but if you met someone completely unfamiliar with Cleveland and Cleveland's small business community, how would you describe it in two to three words?
1: I would say connected would be my biggest word. And that's just not that they're connected to one another, but it's also I mentioned those uh, those other partners, and we have a lot of organizations that we work with. We actually formed a group called the Business Growth Collaborative, a bunch of ecosystem partners. And we did that because, you know, an entrepreneur would contact Cozy. They would contact an organization like Jumpstart or Magnet or a SBDC or a Hispanic Business Center, Urban League, all these other organizations trying to get advice and help. And what we realized is that we were all kind of guiding that business in a different way. So we said, We need to come together and we need to create one plan for these entrepreneurs who are coming to us for help. And so that allowed us to get to know each other really well. So now the navigation that happens here is quicker, uh, it's more efficient, it is more streamlined, and we make sure that we get that small business owner to the solution, the resource that they need in a really uh, expeditious fashion and also that they can immediately put into action once they get what they need for their business. So it is very well uh, connected. And, and I think we should be proud about that because we worked really hard to make that happen over the last several years.
0: I love it. All right, let's sell some tickets. Let's get some people signed up for September 19th. Talk to us <laughs> about the Business Innovation and Growth Summit and what it's all about and who should attend and all that good stuff.
1: Absolutely. So we are so excited about this. We ran a small business convention for you know 10 plus years dating back to 2006. And going into COVID, we stopped the convention certainly as a lot of events changed. And our board looked at us over the last year or so and said, we need something big again. We need to bring small business owners together to connect with each other, to get access to the information they need. But this isn't just day-to-day What do you need to run your small business? That's cool. And we can offer that all day long. And a lot of organizations do that. This summit is about growth, innovation, embracing new technologies. What do you need to stay ahead? I mean, that is so important for our smaller companies to be embracing technology, embracing things like AI, thinking about tools that make them more efficient and productive and help them kind of get to that next level. And so that is what the convention is really focused on. And You know, there's two facets. One is there's certainly going to be a lot of education on, again, these really cool tools, resources, things you need to embrace, especially in the way that the world has changed so much due to COVID, due to different generations being in the workplace, remote work, all these things that a lot of our small companies need to pivot and need to evolve to meet sort of the changes in, in the market. But we will also have a big exhibit hall with a lot of resource providers um, and, and people who can help small business get to that next level, but also that networking piece. So I'll just keep going back to that connection because it is, it is key to this cozy as a community. Um, we have tons of networking throughout the day where small business owners can be setting up meetings with each other. They can have a breakfast session. They can have a lunch session. They can have a reception. And then we're also going to end the day with some small business success awards where we're focused on businesses who are already kind of embracing innovation and creativity in ways that others might not be uh, looking at right now and helping to put a spotlight on them so that others can follow their lead.
0: Love it. Okay. We're going to get you out. Two last questions. So I, I serve on a committee for the Columbus Chamber of Commerce. They do a fantastic job. My question to you is, what is unique about the GCP as you look to compare it to other chamber of commerces across either just the state of Ohio or, you know, even perhaps the country?
1: Sure. Yeah. So actually, we are the largest chamber of commerce in the country. So we have 12,000 member businesses.
0: See, this goes back to the branding, right? Like that's insane. Who would have guessed that?
1: Yes, absolutely. And the reason for that is a lot of chambers are focused on your larger corporations, right? Because a lot of times your larger corporations are the organizations that are investing in the chamber so that the chamber can focus on economic development. That's what chambers are supposed to do, right? And so our larger companies have the ability to invest and they're also you know, driving a lot of the work, the economic development strategy for the organization. We are unique because we have small, middle market and large. Actually, our small businesses are the majority of our membership. Of our 12,000 plus members, 11,000 of those are our small businesses. And so what's unique about us is Cozy and G- GCP used to actually operate Greater uh, Cleveland Partnership used to operate separately. We brought them together in um, in 2016 because we thought that having one voice for the business community was actually stronger. And what's unique about that is we have a board that is made up of small businesses, middle market companies, and large companies. And while they may not always have the same opinion. What's great about that is everybody has a seat at the table, and we work as an organization to figure out what is best for the business community as a whole, which is really, really important. And it's great also for the large businesses to hear what matters to the small businesses, and for the small businesses to hear what matters to the large businesses and facilitating those connections. So so our size is really significant, and the fact that we give everybody a seat at the table and run our board that way, um, we have about... Most 90 members of our board. And again, it's varied by industry and size. And I just think that's really important as we look at kind of growing the region where, um, where everybody feels like they're achieving and accomplishing and having success um, involving all of those voices is is something that's really, really important to us.
0: Okay. Last question. Actually, second to last, I keep lying. You have one big prediction, bold prediction for Cleveland. I put on here by 2030, it, we don't necessarily need to put a time cap on it, but what's, what's your big, bold prediction for Cleveland in the foreseeable future?
1: So for anybody who knows Cleveland, um, we have an absolutely amazing waterfront, but we haven't leveraged our water in the way that so many other cities have. And there's been so many shots at this over time to try and create a plan where we're going to, we're going to do it and it's going to happen. And those never actually came to fruition, but I am confident that we are going to have a plan now. It is all about public private partnerships We have so many people working in concert right now. So when I talked earlier about not worrying about the credit and finally having a plan together, that has happened. Everybody is behind this plan to develop the waterfront. We have a lot of our businesses like Bedrock and First Energy Stadium and the Cleveland Browns are working in collaboration with the city and all of our economic development partners and the county to make sure that this plan happens. And we are we are moving ahead and it won't be done by 2030 in completion, but we will certainly have a plan and I think it will be underway by 2030 and we will finally start to leverage that waterfront, which will bring more people downtown, um, will bring more businesses downtown for visitors. It'll be a place for people to be on the water. So that will bring so much to our city and to our region and, um, and I'm confident that it will happen.
0: Okay, we're gonna hold you to it. Last question. I think you're going to have you, you're going to have a tough time with this one. But favorite or most frequent restaurant in Cleveland can be breakfast, lunch or dinner.
1: I was looking at some of the other podcasts and everybody's listed all these like really super fancy, beautiful restaurants. And I certainly love those. But I am a sucker for craft beer in a patio. So, you give me a patio to sit outside in the in the sun in the summer and I I love craft beer. I love trying different beers. I love doing the little sampler things. So, I am a big fan of Stassi Brew Brewworks. I love brew kettle. I love Southern Tier. And I also love brew garden. So those are my sort of, maybe there's a beer theme here, as you can see. There but, is. But those are my my go-tos and also Heart. So those are my go-tos.
0: I love it. Shout out to all the breweries in Cleveland. We're going to have to come up on a Friday and get all the uh, Rust Belt podcast guests together. And we'll go to one of your spots. That would be fun.
1: Oh, I will hold you to that. We'll go on a little beer tour.
0: Done deal. Awesome. Megan, this was great. We really appreciate you coming on. Best of luck with everything this year. And of course, the big summit coming up in the fall. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. But thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Paul. Go Bobcats.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.